Hello, everyone. Welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. It's been a little bit since I've podcasted. I think it's been like maybe a week and a half because I have just been exhausted. I am pregnant and I'm like nine weeks now. So I have just been sleeping and trying not to throw up. And so it's been a little slow going on getting back into the podcasting game. But I think with the new schedule, we we were on a big trip in Michigan and now we're back home. So I think I can get into a good schedule and get back on the podcasting grind. So we are on our Thursday episode, which means that we are going to be going over a state So like the geography, population, state motto, symbols, all of that stuff, the historical timeline. We do this every Thursday in the order that the states joined the union. So we were on the 33rd state, which is the great state of Oregon. I've been to Oregon one time, mostly just in the Portland area. I have to say like Portland is quite the extreme of cities. Well, first of all, I went there during some political like anti-gun march so that clouded my view a bit you know obviously it's extremely extremely liberal but the city itself is like very cool tons to do I do like being in a city so I had mixed feelings about Portland it was really pretty but I'm not sure I could live there that being said there's a ton to do in the rest of Oregon and I know like a few people I follow on Instagram live in Oregon they absolutely love it the nature is stunning so I'm excited to learn more about this state and see what I missed by just visiting Portland. So buckle up and enjoy the episode. Okay, before any of the historical stuff, we're going to go over just the basic facts. So let's run through those. The capital of Oregon is Salem, which you would think it's Portland because that's the biggest city, but it is actually Salem, Oregon. Uh, It became a state on February 14th, 1859, and the name is really up for debate. It says there are a number of possible origins. The name Oregon might have been derived from a 1715 French map that references the Wisconsin River as Oriconcint, spelled O-U-A-R-I-C-O-N. Very interesting uh, spelling. They said another possibility is that the name Oregon stems from an English army officer's reference in the late 18th century to the river called by the Indians Oregon, O-U-R-A-G-O-N. Another possibility is the meaning comes from the French word Oregon, spelled the same way I just did, which means hurricane because the French explorers called the Columbia River the Fleuve or Oh, sorry, Le Fleuve au Oregon, um, or Hurricane River. This is because of strong winds gusting out of the Columbia Gorge. So, not exactly sure what the actual route is, but throughout time, those spellings turned into today's spelling, which is O-R-E-G-O-N, Oregon. Um, All this, that was from Kids National Geographic, I believe. So um, all these links will be in the show notes so you can go look for yourselves. Uh, Okay, the state motto is she flies with her own wings, which was adopted in 1987, which is pretty late for a state motto to be adopted, at least from what I've seen. Um, The nickname is 
the Beaver State. That was adopted in 1969, and it was nicknamed the Beaver State because early settlers used to trap these animals for their fur. So pretty self-explanatory there. The population as of 2020 is 4.2 million. It is 39th in population density. So again, with like a lot of these states, there is you know, one or two major cities and then the rest of it is pretty rural and that seems to follow with Oregon. It is a big state, like land area wise. It's on the northwestern part of the US and it's a big state. 4.2 million is not that many people in that state, so it is pretty low on the population density. All right, for geography, again, National Geographic for Kids has always the best geographical summaries. So Oregon is bordered by Washington in the north, Idaho in the east, Nevada and California in the south, and the Pacific Ocean to the west. The land is divided into six areas, and let's go through those. So the first one is the Columbia Plateau. This is the largest geographical region in the state. It fills almost the entire eastern half of Oregon. Um, there's something called Hell's Canyon there, which is the deepest river gorge in America, which is in this geographical region. The canyon is on average 5,500 feet deep, which is basically the depth of like five Eiffel Towers stacked on top of each other. So very, very deep canyon. Uh, okay, then the next geographical region, it says south of the Columbia Plateau is the Basin and Range region, which is mostly semi-arid and contains a few steep mountains. Then we have a range that runs from north to south throughout the state. Those are the Cascade Mountains, which is, you know, major highs and lows with these mountains. Mount Hood, which is Oregon's highest point, um, and Crater Lake, which is the deepest lake in the U.S., are both in this region of the Cascade Mountains. Then we have the Willamette Lowland, which is a narrow fertile area that's in the northwest of Oregon. The Coast Range is in the west and has low forested mountains, small lakes and cliffs, and it follows the Pacific Coast, which is why it's called the Coast Range. And then we have the Klamath or Klamath Mountains, which is a rugged and forested area um, it crosses Oregon's southwest corner. So this is where um, the Oregon Caves National Monument is in the southwest of the state. Okay, let's get into the climate. So honestly, pretty solid climate and comfort index and all of that. So the national average for rain across the US is 38 inches. For Oregon, it's 41 inches. National average for snow is 28 inches. Uh, Oregon only gets 13 inches of snow. And then the overall comfort index is 7.2, which means it's slightly comfortable than the average state. Uh, the summer high is 82 degrees. The winter low is 31. So it gets like all the seasons and the seasons, honestly, from what I've seen on Instagram and stuff, look beautiful. Like I think that's the epitome of getting all the seasons pretty evenly. It only gets to about 48% humidity in the height of the summer, which is pretty ideal. So the weather, weather-wise, Oregon seems just like a great place. Okay, let's get into the history. I don't know why it was so hard for me to find any detailed historical timeline that didn't give way too much information. Like there's always the e-reference one, but the 
bullet points were so vague that I have to go research every single one. Like they would only put last names for any of the explorer names. And so there was just no context as to what was happening in the timeline. So I'm just gonna do a very, very high overview of Oregon history from Dexters.com, which is like, it's like a kid's historical page, but it is really, I think good just to see the big eras of Oregon state history. So I don't know, maybe I'll have to put together my own and just like put it on um, the website because it's just, no, I'm just not finding anything, honestly, that's good with enough detail, but not too, like, not just useless things thrown on this timeline. So maybe that'll be my project is making my own Oregon timeline because the ones online, at least for my purposes, are not doing what I want. So, okay, let's go through this Duxters one at least. So the big first era is that Europeans arrived. So in the 1500s, European explorers like Sir Francis Drake uh, spotted the coastline of Oregon, but did not set foot on land. Both Spain and Great Britain, actually, they both laid claim to the land. And in 1792, an American explorer, Captain, Captain Robert Gray, came upon the Columbia River and named the river after his ship. So that's like the first big like exploration area or era. Then we have Lewis and Clark, so fast forward to the 1800s and 1803. The U.S. purchased a large region of land from France called the Louisiana Purchase. Thomas Jefferson sent out explorers Lewis and Clark to map out the new territory. Okay, so we've seen that in a lot of these um, states in this region. They traveled beyond the borders of the new purchase, however, all the way up to the Pacific Ocean at the mouth of the Columbia River in Oregon. They stayed there for the winter and built a small fort called Fort Clats Clatsop. This says that over the next several years, more explorers and fur traders arrived from the United States and Great Britain. Both countries, again, laid claim to the land. And in 1818, the two countries agreed to joint occupancy of the region, which I think is pretty rare from what I've seen. It's usually not, joint occupancy usually doesn't work at least for too long from what I've, I've read. Okay, then the next big thing is the Oregon Trail. So this is fast forwarding to the 1840s. Settlers from the east begin to travel to Oregon, to Oregon country using the Oregon Trail. It says that over the next 20 years, hundreds of thousands of people migrated west, many of them settling in Oregon. Eventually, there were so many Americans in the region that Great Britain gave up the land. The territory became part of the U.S. through the, ter through the Oregon Treaty in 18. 46. So that is kind of interesting. So the, the dual, what do they call it? Um, joint occupancy ended just because there were so many Americans just flooding in that they were like, nah, it's pretty much an American space. We're going to back out. Okay, becoming a state. So the Oregon Territory was established in 1848. It was a large territory that included the future states of Oregon, Idaho, and Washington. So like many of these states, when we call something like the Oregon Territory or the Illinois Territory or the uh, Missouri Territory, it, it isn't just the area that we now think of as Oregon or Illinois or Missouri. It's like a big conglomeration of land and then they split off part and call it, you know, the state that we now know it as, so Oregon. 
As Oregon continued to grow, it eventually broke off from the other regions in the territory, and on February 14, 1859, Oregon was admitted to the Union as the 33rd state. So, Oregon was technically a territory for about 11 years. Okay, the next big thing is the Nez Perce War. So, gold was discovered in the 1850s, and that caused even more people to start moving to Oregon. There were less and less land for the Native Americans. Um, the tribes that were living there originally, a big one was called the Nez Perce. Uh, they were forced to move into smaller and smaller reservations. In 1863, gold was discovered on the Nez Perce reservation, and they were told that they would have to move. And that obviously did not, you know, they did not like that. So after a small fight erupted in 1877, the Nez Perce, under the leadership of Chief Joseph, tried to flee to Canada. The U.S. Army pursued them. They fought the army all along the way, engaging in several battles along their 1,400-mile retreat. These battles are called the Nez Perce War. In the end, the Nez Perce lost and were forced to move to Indian Territory in Oklahoma. I don't exactly know, and or I don't get the reason for pursuing them. Like, if the Nez Perce were fleeing, why capture them and then move them to... Oklahoma, but that is what happened. So that's the Nez Perce uh, War. Okay, in, you know, fast forward way ahead. So the Nez Perce War was in, wait, let's see. Yeah, 1877. And then 1937, the Bonville Dam on the Columbia River is completed. So that's like big industrial projects are happening. Um, throughout like the rest of the 1800s and into the early 1900s. And then the other big thing that they put on this timeline is the new Carissa, which was a bulk freighter, runs aground at Coos Bay, spilling 70,000 gallons of oil into the ocean. So they had a major um, land spill, or sorry, oil spill um, in their bay. So that is the, you know, state history. I know it was a little bit vague at this point but there's just again I might have to just do some more research because I don't know it was not giving what I needed it <laughs> to give so um, if I come across any other major uh, you know events that have happened I'm trying to look up the e-reference one because it had way too much vague information, but maybe there's something in there that um, is important. So let's see. Oh, 1844, slavery is declared illegal in Oregon County. Again, 1848, the California gold discovery. Um, and then Oregon found gold in the 1850s. Uh, basically what we missed in the, you know, after the Nez Perce War was a lot of railroad building. The Civil War occurred um, in 18, well, 1861 to 1865. So there's a lot of that vague um, stuff. The 1900s, let's see, the NAACP Portland chapter is founded. The Oregon State Constitution was amended to remove a clause denying blacks the right to vote in 1927. Oregon repeals a law to prohibit interracial marriages in 1951. So, I mean, 
there's nothing like out of the ordinary in terms of like things that were happening to the country as a whole. Like, um, I think they were late on the state constitution that like denying the blacks the right to vote was um, in the constitution, but there's federal laws that overstep that. So, I mean, most of what they put in this timeline are just major like civil rights movements and, and things like that. There's nothing like specific to Oregon like that's so crazy that's on this in the 1900s. So I don't know, maybe they've had a mostly like peaceful history in the, in the 1900s. Um, and then as always in the 2000s, they have like only bad things basically. So like um, a forest fire, uh, terror attacks, you know, all those sorts of things that we don't really need to go into that much detail for. So that is it for the Oregon history. Again, I hope to bring you a better one soon. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about famous people from Oregon because I literally recognize none of them. Like, I do not understand what's happening with Oregon. Here are the people that, well, maybe like two I recognize. The two that I see right off the bat that I recognize are Caitlin Olson and Lisa Rinna, who I only know because I listened to this podcast, The Morning Toast, which they now rebranded to The Toast, but they talk about The Real Housewives, and I don't, I've never watched The Real Housewives, but I know that Lisa Rinna is one, and that's the only reason why I recognize her. The other ones, in case anyone else uh, recognizes them, is Beverly Cleary, Holly Madison, Sally Struthers, Courtney Love, Brenda Strong, Ann Curry, Bruce Abbott, Eric Christian Olson, uh, Ty Burrell, he sounds familiar, and that's that's pretty much it. So, again, I don't really know, I barely know any of these people, but those are the famous people from Oregon that comes up, and I really tried to dig, and I was like, surely there must be someone else that I know who's extremely, extremely popular from Oregon. I looked at multiple sites, and there's just nothing, so very interesting. All right, state symbols, it is that time. Um, they have a good amount of state symbols. They all, you know, let's go through them. Some states have a lot, some states have a little. Oregon is on the side of a decent amount. So, all right, let's see. The state uh, flower is the Oregon grape. It was adopted in 1892. Uh, the Oregon grape is not a grape, but a small broadleaf evergreen shrub native to the Pacific states in the Barbary family. The berries are edible but bitter. Some people use the Oregon grape in jellies or jams and also in alternative medicine. The state bird is the Western Meadowlark. It was adopted in 1927. Um, the species has declined in the Will Willamette Valley and is more commonly found in the eastern part of the state. They nest on the ground, they're ground feeders, uh, and it is known for its uh, lilting melody. The song is Oregon, My Oregon, that was adopted in 1927. The state tree is the Douglas fir, that was adopted in 1939. Um, the Daughters of the American Revolution, which is an organization, um, or asked and requested this be the tree that represents Oregon. Uh, Douglas firs are, have been, are and have been abundant in the state and played an important role in the timber industry um, 
in organ history. There is a father of organ, John McLaughlin. This was made official in 1957. Uh, McLaughlin first came to the Pacific Northwest in 1824 as the chief factor of the British Hudson Bay Company's Columbia District. He established Fort Vancouver in 1825 and was the most influential regional figure until 1846 when he retired. He settled in Oregon City and became an American citizen. In naming McLaughlin the father of Oregon, the legislature recognized his role in settling Oregon and his aid to many early Oregon immigrants whose presence eventually undermined British claims to the region. So because he was such a guiding force and then everyone started coming into Oregon and he really guided everyone, um, they think it played a role in undermining um, that joint occupancy and part of the reason why British ended, the British ended up pulling out of the region. Okay, the fish is the Chinook salmon, uh, adopted in 1961. The uh, um, numbers of these have dramatically reduced in Oregon over the last few uh, decades, it, it seems. They're born in freshwater rivers and streams and then migrate to the ocean. At the end of their life cycle, they migrate back to their spawning grounds and reproduce before dying. Um, okay, the beaver, like we already mentioned, is, is the state animal that was adopted in 1969. The square dance is the state dance. The Oregon swallowtail is the state insect. It says after the rain, or after the rain beetle failed to become the state insect in 1977 because it was harmful to or orchard fruits, Portland Zoo director Warren Eiliff nominated the Oregon swallowtail a large yellow and black butterfly native to the Northwest. There is also a mother of Oregon. Her name is Tabitha Moffett Brown, adopted in 1987. Oregon pioneer Tabitha Moffett Brown was a founder of a school for orphans that grew into the Tualatin Academy, a high school in Forest Grove. The institution later became Pacific University. She's also known for having survived a difficult 1846 overland journey from Missouri to Oregon as a 66-year-old widow. Brown and her traveling party took a shortcut into Oregon country on the Applegate Trail. Moffat later remembered, We had 60 miles of desert without grass or water, mountains to climb, cattle giving out, wagons breaking, emigrants sick and dying, hostile Indians to guard against by night and day. In selecting Tabitha Moffat Brown as the mother of Oregon, the state legislature declared that she represents the distinctive pioneer heritage and the charitable and compassionate nature of the Oregon people. Okay, the motto is, again, we mentioned this first, but it's, she flies with her own wings. So here's a little bit of background on that. In 1859, the state of Oregon adopted a new seal, which included the union, quote, the union, likely an affirmation of legis legislators' unionist sentiments immediately preceding the Civil War. During Oregon's centennial in 1959, the state legislature officially chose the union as a state motto. In, 18, or sorry, in 1987, the Oregon legislature changed the state motto from the union to she flies with her own wings, the unofficial motto from Oregon's territorial period. Supporters of the change argued that she flies with her own wings reflected Oregon's independent nature. The phrase comes from the Latin Alice vola, volat propi. I'm saying that kind of French. I don't think that's how it's pronounced, but this was the first, uh, this was first added to Oregon's territorial seal by Jesse Quinn Thornton, 
a judge for Oregon's provisional government and later a state legislature, or sorry, legislator. While it is now translated as she flies with her own wings, Thornton translated the phrase as he uses his own wings. He said it was an allusion to the general facts of the history and colonization of Oregon and the establishment and maintenance of the provisional government without aid of the mother country. So when I said that it was late to adopt a state motto, it's because it was changed and the original one occurred in 1859, which makes a lot, a lot more sense. The state nut is the hazelnut. This was also, uh, this was adopted in 18, sorry, 1989. Um, it, the legislature recognized the economic and historical significance of Oregon's hazelnut farmers. Oregon farmers produce less than 5% of the world's hazelnuts, but 99% of the national crop. Uh, the beverage is milk that was designated in 1997. They have a state mushroom, which is the Pacific Golden Chanterelle. That was in 1999. Their state fruit is a pear um, adopted in 2005. This was its uh, top-selling tree fruit crop and its 10th largest agricultural commodity. They have a state crustacean, which is the Dungeness crab, adopted in 2009. And then they have, uh, well, that's pretty much it. They had a jory soil, but I never really go over the soils because I don't know much about state soils. So that those are the state symbols. Again, they have a lot, which I enjoy. Okay, and then again, there are tons of attractions that you can go and see in Oregon. Definitely not all of them are in Portland. There are a lot of things to do in Portland as any good city, but here are some of the highlights of attractions that you can do outside of Oregon. Crater Lake National Park is in the state. The Columbia River Gorge, which we uh, talked about in um, the geography section. There's also this really cool beach called Cannon Beach that looks amazing. There's Mount Hood National Forest. Bend, Oregon looks beautiful, and I think my family lived in Bend for a while, but it's it's really pretty, and that is like a, a highly rated place to go if you're visiting the state of Oregon on like TripAdvisor and stuff. Within Portland, there is the Portland Japanese Gardens, which they host like Japanese tea ceremonies and um, like all these very cool cultural things and then the gardens itself look beautiful so that just looks awesome and then there's something called Thor's Well which I was looking at and it looks amazing it's this big let me look at what it actually says it is so this says sitting on the edge of the Oregon coast near Cape Perpetua a gaping seemingly bottomless sinkhole swallows the unbroken stream of water around it Thor's Well is a natural wonder as the natural wonder is known, is not actually bottomless. It is, however, very dangerous. Also known as the drain pipe of the Pacific, the well is actually a hole in the rock that only appears to drain water from the ocean. According to some researchers, the well probably started out as a sea cave dug out by the waves before the roof eventually collapsed and created openings at the bottom and top through which the ocean sprays. The huge hole is likely only around 20 feet or 20 yeah, feet deep but it produces amazing sights. So there are some like very cool pictures of this huge sinkhole, but again, it's very, very dangerous. So um, that's just something to keep in mind. But 
definitely want to see all these more nature specific organ things and I really want to go there in the fall because I feel like the leaves timing the leaves would be perfect in Oregon at least from what I what I've seen on Instagram so that is all for today's episode that we got through all of our um our little categories here so I hope you learned a lot about Oregon I know I did uh just watching the news and stuff sometimes I feel like I get a bad rep with the whole like west coast but it truly is the i think the best geography in the country like the land and the you know trees there's so many trees there it's so green and i this is making me really really want to go to oregon so hope you enjoyed the episode i will see you all on monday with a new one we're going to go over the the troubles in ireland so i watched the third season of dairy girls and through that really understood more of the historical context about the troubles and went on a whole deep dive researching those and I can't wait to share that with you so I will try to not be sleeping all the time um, and try to plan when I'm not exhausted to record these podcast episodes because I have a bunch planned out and researched that I just need to now record and share with you so I will see you Monday for another episode hope you have a great weekend and I will see you all later bye everyone